1: Hello, everyone. I'm Jerry.
0: And I'm Shannon.
1: Betty White is snuggled here with us, and we're back for episode 49 of the Arnor Adventures podcast.
0: Oh my gosh. We are almost at 50.
1: Almost at 50. Do you think we're
0: going to make it?
1: I think we're going to make it.
0: We are. We're We're
1: rolling right along.
0: We are. Today, we have a spark in our lives episode for you with a really cool guy living his best life. All of our guests are cool and they live their best life, but this one, he is living intentionally, and in the best way, traveling.
1: Yes, but before we get to our guests, let's get to our review of the week. Today's review comes from So-and-so 1974. <laughs> So-and-so says, found this podcast recently after looking for information on house-sitting. Love the episode with Vicki Sosa. Then I stuck around and went back to listen to other episodes. Each one has a great message, but the thread running through them is life is short. Live the life you want to live. The Arnold Adventures podcast is now on my podcast rotation.
0: Ah, And you know, the the, first of all, so-and-so. That is so (laughs) nice. That is so, so nice. So-and-so.
1: So-and-so nice. Uh, Thank you so much for taking
0: the time to do that. I think you all are going to find it interesting when she says life is short and then when you hear sort of what the motto of our guest is it's going to be it's going to be a a neat little uh, tie-in and we did not plan it that way
1: we did not No. if you all would like to give us a boost of inspiration like so and so did please head over to com slash honor and give us a review or rating Your reviews help serve us up to other people who may be interested in content like ours. Plus, it really gives us the motivation to keep going.
0: It really does. And you know who else gives us a boost of inspiration to keep going?
1: Our guest today?
0: Yes, Ralph Velasco. And we can't wait to share his story with you and the way in which he lives his life traveling the world. Are you ready to get to Ralph? I'm ready to get to Ralph. Let's get to Ralph. All All right. right. Today's guest may make you want to get out and travel more, which is always a good thing. He may also inspire you to put down your phone, grab your camera, and take some actual photos. I know he's inspired us to learn how to better use our camera or just use our camera, period. (laughs) Our guest is travel photographer, award-winning travel photography instructor, author, public speaker, and international tour organizer, Ralph Velasco, aka the Continental Drifter. Over the past 14 years, Ralph has organized and led more than 120 small group cultural tours around the world under his photo enrichment adventures and a la campagna experiences brands. Ralph is also a YouTube creator. His YouTube channel is called The Continental Drifter, where he makes sure to remind you that life is too short not to travel. We completely agree. Ralph, thank you so much for being here.
2: Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you very much.
0: I was telling you before we, we started recording how much we love your journey and everything that you are about. And one of the things that was, of course, most intriguing when we were reading about you and kind of getting to know you via email is that you are location independent and that you still have this very successful business and, and enriching, well, enriching, the enriching, enriching life. <laughs> even though you are location independent, which is what we talk about here all the time. And you, you also described it as being intentionally homeless, which I love. (laughs) So with both of those sort of descriptions about you, what about, before we get into, you know, what exactly the two brands are and the things that you do, what is most intriguing about that lifestyle? And why did you first decide to sell your home?
2: Yeah. So uh, I've been location independent or what they, you know, digital nom- nomadic, uh, digital nomad, I guess you could call it a lot of different terms. Uh, but uh, I think before that term even came to be, <laughs> but uh, about uh, 2013, I had been running my business for about four or five years at that point full time. And I finally said, why am I paying rent 12 months a year when I'm there for three months, you know, two weeks here, 10 days there over the course of a year. And it was a real big waste of money. And I was living in Southern California, one of the most expensive zip codes in the world. Yeah. And I said, you know, this is silly. So I got rid of 80, 90% of my stuff. I minimized. Uh, It was One of the best things I'd ever done, you know, is get rid of the stuff. Mm
1: -hmm. Never
2: been a stuff, you know, kind of person that they'd have to accumulate things necessarily. But I've always been more much more about experiences. And so I finally got rid of all that stuff. And uh, now when I'm in the U.S., uh, which, you know, when there's not a pandemic is about three months out of the year that I am. In the U.S., um, typically I'm on the road leading these trips uh, eight to nine months out of the year. Um, I am in the Chicago area, okay. so um, you know I, I come and go as I please, and so it's it's absolutely you know an ideal situation.
0: Yeah. So we talked about those two international travel brands, and you ease us right into it. You you know I, I've seen on your YouTube channel and and the websites that you really encourage cultural immersion, which is wonderful. I, I think we we end up traveling and yes, we hit the touristy spots and there's nothing wrong with that, but I think there's nothing better than really getting to know the culture of where, wherever you're visiting. And so I'm, I'm curious how you and ins- what were you inspired, I guess, travel, but what inspired you to create the two brands and tell us a little <laughs> bit about both of them?
2: Sure. Uh, so I started Photo Enrichment Adventures uh, way back in like 2005 or six, something like that. And uh, it just started out as some uh, typically one on one sitting across the table from a person that wanted to learn how to new, use their new digital camera because mm-hmm. these things were new not too long ago. Right. I, I can't believe it's been 15, 20 years already. But um, I said, you know what? I, I, I bet people would. Uh, be interested in learning how to use these new digital devices. I've always been a traveler. I've always been uh, a photographer, but I, w- you know, wouldn't have considered myself a professional photographer back then. Or in the early 2000s, I now would. And I've, you know, like you said, I led over 120 international tours. I've spoken at many international conferences and. University of California, Irvine Extension Program, Santa Ana Mm. College, and just taught taught uh, classes that way to people that were interested in improving their photography. And I always enjoyed talking about photography and travel and travel tips and things like that, and just helping people to uh, get better at photography. I always (laughs) always joke, um, I'm here to rid the world of bad photography, one photo (laughs) at a time. (laughs) But, sure. Uh, yeah, but uh, we all make uh, bad photos. I make them. Um, every professional photographer does. We just show you the good ones. So.
0: Right. Right. Well, you know, isn't that what social media? It kind of does. I mean, I think exactly. we, you know, the whole authenticity thing doesn't really exist in most cases. But. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things that I wish I did was when I travel. Of course, I have my cell phone. I take all these pictures, and I I do experience a lot of things without my phone too. But I have always wished that I could use, I call it the fancy camera. That's what we call it in the house, but mm-hmm. my my fancy camera. And, and I think I pull it out and I go, okay, I'm going to take some pictures. And then I get completely intimidated and put it away and say, forget this. I've mastered the phone. I'm just going to stick to that. So if someone is, wants to go on one of your tours, that where the photo, uh, enrichment, do you, do you open it to all different levels or is it, do you have to be at a certain skill level to go?
2: Yeah. So, uh, I, I kind of shot myself in the foot many years ago when I started this business and I called it photo enrichment, uh, programs at the time and I changed it to photo enrichment adventures. But, um, at first I wanted to lead what I, you know, a photo, t- uh, photo workshop, And to me, a workshop is like 12 hours a day, you know, every day photography, sunrises, sunsets, image reviews, and et cetera, et cetera. And that's fine for some people, but that that wasn't the kind of trip that I wanted to lead. I wanted to attract casual photographers with any kind of camera or none at all. And I am using my iPhone. I've got the 12 Pro Max, whatever that's worth. but. I'm using my iPhone almost exclusively now.
1: Oh. And
2: yeah. And you may find that hard to believe. Uh, yeah. but, um, number one, I'm shooting more video because I'm, I've got a YouTube channel. I'm doing a mm-hmm. lot of video. And I knew that with as much as I travel, I didn't want to carry around extra cameras and tripods and all that stuff. So I wanted my system to be very simple. So I just bought a gimbal with a small tripod and I put my phone right in it. Uh, Whenever I feel like it takes 10 seconds and I'm shooting. Um, Now, back to your point, though, I say that the best camera is people say that the best camera is the one that you have with you. And Mm -hmm. that's obvious. But I take that a little further. The best camera is the one you have with you, but that you're also willing to use. And it sounds like with your Um, your other camera, your fancy camera, that, uh, you know, it's probably a great camera, but if you're not willing to use it, who cares how great it is?
0: This episode is brought to you by Southern Oak Artisan.
1: We love Southern Oak Artisan. Their candles bring a really cool vibe to our bungalow.
0: They do. Southern Oak Artisan makes 100% natural soy candles that are not only aesthetically pleasing, and we love that they're in these You know, really cute little jars, reusable by the way, but their clean scents are light and not overwhelming like other candles.
1: My favorite is the morning brew. Any time of day, that smells good.
0: Mm, Mine is the lime but no salt. Or maybe the Sommier Chardonnay. Do you think there's a theme going with me there?
1: Oh, maybe. (laughs) They have really (laughs) great scents to choose from. They're only made with the highest quality ingredients, so they aren't toxic like a lot of candles are. 100% 100% natural soy, clean, fragrance oils. You just feel good with the air in your home being clean while burning these candles. Mm,
0: yes. Well, for our listeners, we have a discount code. It is Adventure, and it will save you 10% off of your order at southernoakartisan.com or their Etsy shop. We're going to link it for you in the show notes, too.
1: Southern Oak Artisan, curating something a little bit extra.
2: It's the Southern way. So when people often ask me, you know, what kind of camera should I buy? I say buy buy a camera that's just a little bit of past your technological level so you can grow into it, but it's still not so advanced that, you know, it just sits on the shelf cuz you're intimidated by
0: it. Right.
2: So the best camera is the one that you'll actually use.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, because that so people actually go on your tours then and they just use their cell phone if they want to.
2: Or or they don't have cameras at all. It, um, yeah. yeah. Oftentimes I'll get a maybe a couple, a spouse that's interested in photography, one that's not, or even okay. people that aren't interested in photography, believe it or not. But who doesn't want to be in the right place at the right time in beautiful lights? typically yeah. morning, not too early. I, I don't do a lot of sunrises, but, um, out in this, you know, town before the tourist crowds and the heat of the day and all that stuff, you know, I would think everyone wants to be in that kind of a situation, whether you're taking pictures or not, you know, right. so just absorbing that. And I always say that, uh, my, my mom taught me the best skill I could have for being a photographer and she's never picked up a camera in her life. And that was simply to be curious. Mm. And so I call that the ABCs of photography, always be curious.
0: Right. Yeah. Right.
2: So she taught me to see the little, you know, veins on the leaves and the details and that, you know, moths wings or whatever.
0: Wow. So she taught me to see. And
2: that's very important to, uh, you know photography obviously
0: i also would imagine that you encourage maybe some some uniqueness like for example i think about there's all these blogs about the top instagram spots in brooklyn you know or you know holland whatever i tend to think and I, I don't know how you are i tend to think well if i go to these spots i kind of want a different picture than what everyone else is taking and posting so, I would think that that's also uh, an advantage of going on one of your trips is that you're not going to get all of the Instagramable same thing everyone else is shooting, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, if you're standing right in front of that beautiful scene that everyone's photographing, you might as well get a shot, you know? Sure. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but I absolutely will encourage people to try to photograph that spot in a different way mm. and you know there's different ways to do that it's different lighting conditions different times of day with people without horizontal vertical um you know so many different things uh you you, you can you know zoom in on it medium shot wide angle shot uh so there i i talk about in on my blog there's a continentaldrifter.co
0: there mm-hmm. is
2: a, um, a blog post there about uh, same scene, different time of day. Oh. And that's a little bit different. Uh, because yeah, I, I, I mean, it, actually that's exactly what I'm talking about is, uh, I, I uh, happen to be in Cuba in Havana and I took a picture out the window of our accommodations every day, a couple times a day with clouds sunrise in the at night, you know, they I, I just trying to show people how many different ways there are to photograph the exact same scene. So. Right.
0: I, okay.
2: We try to encourage that, get over, get under, you know, do anything you can to, to make that shot unique. I call those postcard shots, you know, the Instagram ones. Yeah. That everyone's getting and, and you got to get the postcard shot while you're right there. Yeah. But nowadays too, sometimes uh, you go to these, Gorgeous spots, and there's a, a line of people waiting to do their selfie for Instagram, yeah. and that's just horrible. I, I, I really don't like that. So totally I'm, really, yeah, and I'm, and I created my ala experiences somewhat in answer to that, where we go to more off the beaten play, off the beaten track places. We. Uh, stay for uh we we stay in one maybe two locations instead of maybe six over two weeks where we're seeing a whole region or country or a lot of it Uh Uh, and so some of my clients were saying we love your trips uh they're great but um we we're looking for something maybe a little bit more casual or not so much moving around sitting in the bus uh, getting from one place to another and um And so that's a a new type of experience. And those are all around the Mediterranean. And we're staying at private castles and agroturismos, wine estates, villas, you know, where the property itself is a destination. And that's mainly because one of of the reasons for that is that, uh, you know, oftentimes when we travel, we can't wait to get out of the hotel. You know, we're always like, I'm not sitting in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Well, what if the hotel is an 11th century castle that's like a museum or right. you know, a beautiful wine estate overlooking the Dodo Valley? You know, why would you want to be constantly leaving that place when it's a part, a big part of your trip? Right. So, so we try to do that kind of thing with the Alicampagne experiences especially.
0: How long are are, are those trips? Like how, how long do you stay there? Is it a couple yeah. of weeks or?
2: Like, not on the a those are typically okay. from about seven to ten days okay so a france trip we stay seven days in the castle and then we just do hub and spoke and we drive maybe half hour 45 minutes to this beautiful little villages restaurants uh olive oil tasting caviar tasting you know those mm-hmm. kinds of things um actually in that region it's uh walnut oil and hazelnut oil they don't they're not uh that part of the country doesn't do olive oil but Hmm. um you know, those kinds of experiences that uh, really immerse you in the culture, yeah. introduce you to the locals. It's not rushing around or, you know, that what we call the um, steering wheel time or something, you know, where you're just, you know, sitting in a vehicle, yeah. which is fine because you have to get from place to place. But these trips are designed to not be moving around so much. And uh, typically my trips are about a half day scheduled, half day free time. OK, so you you've got a nice structure to the trip. Everything's handled soup to nuts from the time you arrive to the time you leave. Everyone makes their own flight arrangements with my recommendations because you got to mm-hmm. know where, when to be where. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for the most part, we've got about a half day scheduled and a half day free time for you to go relax or do things with your friend or spouse or on your own or or not do anything at all. You know, just have that option. Right. So it works out real well.
0: Are you sort of in the footsteps of their travel agent or do you sort of work with someone else? Or how does how does that come to be?
2: Yeah, so I, I typically work with a local uh, tour operator in the destination
0: okay okay uh
2: Especially. in the case of the hotel, in the case of the france trip the dordogne re- trip that i do and staying at that 11th century castle i was actually approached by the owner of the castle and he said we're starting to bring some groups here mm-hmm. they do a lot of plein air painting groups yeah because they just drive out into the countryside plop down for a couple hours and create <sighs> these beautiful paintings um he said you know i'd like uh, like to have you out and um we would like to start bringing some photography groups here so that's yeah. one way that i got introduced but uh, otherwise I've, I've heard about these you know I've, I've i do a lot of you know get referrals and things like that to be introduced to the people that can really help me in the destination yeah because um, i don't have sure. the local knowledge obviously of every single place so yeah i need that local person that knows everyone knows the culture the language uh you know when there's holidays and you know know, a conference in town hey ralph you know maybe you don't want to come that weekend we've got this huge conference everything's going to be sold out or expensive you know yeah that kind of stuff that i you know otherwise i'd be making all kinds of mistakes Mm -hmm. which i i can't afford to do obviously
0: right right
1: We wanted to take a pause for a second to tell you once again about how much we love Sugar Wish.
0: If you're a regular listener, Sugar Wish isn't new to you. You already know how much we adore the fact that we count on Sugar Wish to send gifts to people. Why? Because it's easy. Yes. It's a time saver. Yes. You know the recipient is going to love it because they choose what they want. That's right. And it's not a gift that's going to take up space because it's edible. Yes. What's not to love?
1: You forgot something.
0: What's that?
1: You save money because we have a code to share with our listeners.
0: Oh my gosh, that's right.
1: Use code Betty White. That's all caps, one word, Betty White, to save $7 off your gift to someone. We also have the link in the show notes.
0: Yep, whether you're gifting someone candy, snacks, tea, coffee, wine, or some dog treats to one lucky pup, that code works to save. Sugarwish always saves the day. Your YouTube channel, The Continental Drifter, you have there's so much information. It's so great if you're interested in traveling and and you do talk about the cultural immersion and and think that you should take advantage of as someone who travels. So when did you start that? Did it, did that piggyback off of these trips or how did that come to, come to fruition?
2: Yeah, good question. I, uh, I've been wanting to do a YouTube channel for years and while I was on my trips, it's, it's, I can get the content. I can, you know, tape the B-roll and the, interviews and the selfie talking head stuff that i need to do for each trip or for Mm -hmm. each uh, video but putting that together organizing it blah blah you know all the stuff that goes behind and you know what's involved in a youtube channel yeah
0: yeah um
2: yeah they uh I, i i was a little bit intimidated by it so i put it off and then when covid hit I suddenly had some time to do <laughs> these huge projects that I hadn't had time before. So I started the channel officially. I want to say November first of 2020. So it's coming up on two years. It's been uh, been a long haul, but I'm very proud of what we've put up there. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I'm glad that I took that video, and I wish I had taken more of my my past trips. Yeah. Uh to be able to share that but I was shooting mostly f- uh photography, you know, photos back then. Right. So uh and now, you know, with this new iPhone that I have, it's uh, got a better camera and stuff. So it is it is a better device, but uh Right. Yeah, so and I just love sh- I main thing is I love to create these trips and put them together and I know my clients by now and what they like and don't like and you know what's what makes sense for, you know, logistically and stuff like that. So that's my kind of superpower. And then, um, you know, the people just show up and they, you know, they I got all five star reviews. They, you know, they, huh. they love it. So I know my clients and, you know, that's the first thing you got to do with any business is know your clients. Right. And it took a while because, you know, I didn't know my clients when I first started out, but right. now that I've got 14 years of full-time experience doing this and over 120 trips, international over 100 us you know i've, I've got some uh, data to work with and uh i know my people and they're i always say they're more friends than clients and i just had a reunion at our house this past uh weekend um my um, my mom's house because that's typically where i stay when i'm in town uh-huh. uh, but she's got a pool and so i had a reunion of people that live in this area this last weekend and uh, one of the Clients, he says, you got the best job in the world because you just hang out with your friends and you travel around the world. And I said, you're absolutely right because you know, he's and everyone becomes really good friends with each other too.
0: I bet. I yeah, bet. I've,
2: I've got people that have done 12 trips, 20, 25 trips with me alone, and uh, you know, so those people know people from other trips and you know, see them on another trip and it's such a great little community
0: are you taking like you keep talking about your clients new people can come in you're taking new clients on trips okay
2: absolutely i've got about a 50 percent client repeat rate so on just about any trip half the people will have traveled with me before uh, which i love of course and but i love new people too because you can't grow a business if it's all the same people all the time right uh, and, and I like to meet new people and they bring something different. And what I love about our trips is, and what I like about small group travel in general is that you've got that camaraderie, the networking, uh, you know, feeling like you've got other people to share your experience with. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had, a, I had a couple that wanted to do a, a trip and, uh, because of the pandemic and Ukraine and all the issues happening right now, I couldn't fill the trip. And I, but I told them, I said, uh, cause we're, I'm starting to do some custom tours, you know, cause not everyone can come on my dates when the trip is planned, Right. but I'm starting to do uh, custom tours for people. And I told this couple who I love, they were on my Spain trip last year. Absolutely love them. And, uh, I said, if you want, I can create this trip for just you, the, just you as a couple. And, uh, I get people that say, okay, great, let's do it. But she said, you know what? I, I like your trips because of the camaraderie, cuz of the oh. other people sharing, you know, and I I thought that was so great and it's like all right, success. Uh, yeah. 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 But
0: I also love the small group intimacy of it, too. Oh, yeah. I think there's you, you know when you when you travel and you're in a big and I haven't done this in years, but when you go and you're just like a big bus of people, you don't get to know them. You don't get to I don't even feel like you get to experience all of the the things that you do as much because you have this big group of people that we have to count for before we get back yeah. on the bus or whatever it is. Yeah. So that sounds absolutely amazing.
2: Yeah. Knowing that my trips uh, run from anywhere from four to 10 people. So, you know, you might be on a trip with just four other people, you know, four people total, uh, plus me. Yeah. And, uh, and I lead all our trips. So I'm on every one of our trips. Um You know, unless it's a custom tour, obviously, for someone. But uh, yeah, so it works out really well.
0: You're also an author and you have several books. One that we just purchased, I cannot wait to to get it when it arrives, is the 52 Categories of a Shot List, Capturing Images that Tell a Story. I think any content creator should probably get this, but what inspired you to create that book and then... You know, the others, was it you're on these trips and and your clients are verbalizing the need for it, or was it just that you saw that there was a need overall? How did those come to be?
2: Yeah, I, I created an iPhone app called My Shot Lists for Travel. This is about 12 years ago that I put it up on the on the app store. And I I said, you know what, we've got these these phones in our pockets and there's something um, a uh, concept called a shot list in photography and videography uh, that is just creating a list of shots that you know you want to get and you don't want to leave that place without and that's what a shot list is so I wanted to put that in people's pockets and I came up with 52 categories or genres of photography landscapes interiors night scenes people architecture things like that that are a reminder to people that oh maybe i need to get some night shots or some interior shots to tell the story right uh, of that place because um you know a lot of times people will go and you know they want to show you their pictures and you know like you said it's all selfies and you know plates of food yeah. which <laughs> is fine but you know was there anything else in that place? Uh, you know, so it's about telling the story, giving people, keeping people's interests that are looking at your images. If, if you are showing them to friends and family or presenting them somehow. And, um, so t- in order to keep people's interest, I think you need to have a variety of images right? and not just like those plated foods. Uh, my other book, uh, the, uh, on travel photography, 101 tips for developing your photographic eye, and more. That book came out of some classes that I was teaching uh, back in about 2008-9, and I uh, wanted to put that into—I I just all these tips that I came up with. I wanted to put them into one place so that people can get them. And uh, the books, the physical books, are still for sale. But if someone wanted to get an ebook version, a free ebook version they can go to the photoenrichment.com and get that there. And then, uh, I wrote one about wildlife photography and Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. That was a detailed one. Um, so that, that was interesting. And I, for my trips, I, I, I love to uh, give people all the information they need to go to this, you know, whatever destination it is, because you, you want to know, you know, what's the money system like, uh, other things that, uh, you know, are are not the language. Uh, how how does the electric system work in the place? Do I need converters and stuff like that? So I try to provide all that information so that people are prepared for our trip, right. big time.
0: Yeah, I think mean, that's amazing. I think too, as a solo traveler, someone who travels solo, I feel like you sort of have. And I've only done solo travel in the U.S. I've not every time it's been international. I've been with someone. But I think if when you're in a place that you don't know and you are a solo traveler, you definitely want to know all of those things because you don't want to have to get there and go, oh, you know, and do you have cell service? Because you might not be able to Google. I mean, who knows, you know? Right.
2: right. So much better to know these things before you go than try to figure them out there and realize you don't have that one little 99 cent adapter to plug in your computer or your phone, you know?
0: You talked about the, the castle. So from spending a week in a private castle going on a food tour in Portugal. How have you made these connections? Is it, is it because you've gone so many times and you know, you does each, do you think that every time you go back, it just gets to be a, a better, more exciting itinerary because you forged these relationships or, you know, tell me, I guess what I'm trying to say is like your first time you did it compared to now. Is it yeah. are the relationships just because you go a lot, or how do you get those relationships and networking?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I've I've gotten the relationships uh, via LinkedIn referrals from other people, uh, Facebook, uh, googling uh, local DMCs, the you know people in the destination. So th- that's the way I get those relationships. Put you know putting that trip together from soup to nuts, as you can imagine, you know you've done it for yourself. I'm sure everyone yeah. has. You you realize how many moving parts there are, and then when you put in you know four to ten people that are coming from potentially around the world and all that's logistics.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: I've tried to streamline as much as possible the business. I I'm pretty much a one man show do you have these partners in the destinations I've got some part-time assistants that you know virtual assistants yeah but otherwise I've you know kind of created this all all on my own so I anything I can do to streamline and you know make it easier for myself and everyone else is always a good thing
0: When we downsized and moved to our coastal bungalow, we knew what we wanted as far as a beachy coastal vibe aesthetic. If you're someone who follows our blog, you've seen me mention the book Surf Shack Laid Back Living by the Water. I love it. I love the lifestyle, the whole surfer beach bungalow look. Even though we aren't surfers, we still want that sort of feel in our home laid back, casual, but also really cute. In comes Havenly. Havenly allows you to use the services of a professional designer virtually. After taking the Havenly design quiz, I was perfectly matched with my designer, Alyssa. Alyssa had experience with pet-friendly homes, small homes, coastal vibe aesthetic, She was able to extract my ideas that were living inside my brain and put them into her design magic skills to cultivate exactly what we envisioned. Check out the before and after on our website, arneradventures.com slash Havenly. That's H-A-V-E-N-L-Y. Alyssa just got it. She put together idea boards. I got to choose. We conversed back and forth. We even had a virtual call. It was just so easy. She was a real person, not some, you know, robot thing, the algorithm that they just matched us together. Alyssa's a person and she really did get it. Our space is wonderful. It's such an easy process. They have various packages that you can do for your living room or you can do your kitchen or bathroom or even a podcast room, they will match you with someone who can help you design that. If you would like to try Havenly, and I suggest that you do, go to their website, havenly.com, or you can use all the links down in the show notes, but use code ARNER25, that's A-R-N-E-R 25, and receive 25% off of your design package. What a deal. You're just gonna love it. Now let's get back to the show. From the different countries you've been to, all across Europe and the Mediterranean, what are your favorite international locations, and and then which ones do you still hope to go visit personally or professionally?
2: Yeah, so uh, I I always say that uh, Cambodia is in my top three,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and the other two change <laughs> kind of rotating it <laughs> out because Cambodia has been such a I, I've, I've loved Cambodia for a long long time Cambodia in Asia I love uh, the Republic of Georgia
0: mm. uh, which
2: is kind of on the Asia Europe um, yeah right over there really nice uh, gorgeous place kind yeah. of a little bit off the beaten path but uh, very nice and uh, almost anywhere in Europe uh, you know on the mainland Europe I love uh, Portugal Spain uh, I want to get to Sicily. I've not been there yet. Uh, I've got some family roots there. My 23andMe is on the way to give okay. me some uh, information about my DNA you know, history. That's exciting. Yeah, so we'll see. I, I My main goal uh, eventually is to move to Europe. Yeah. And so I'd love to get a passport that would allow me to live there and work freely. And so that's right. slowly moving towards that.
0: You talked earlier about something that resonates with us is about all the stuff. I know, yes, I used to love traveling before, you know, we sort of went with our minimalist lifestyle in a way, but I feel like it does open you up when you travel to not even think about, you know, the shopping, what touristy thing am I going to, you know, get tchotchke to bring back home? Or, you know, I feel like it it really does open you up to experience more when you travel from, from the less that you own. So how would you call yourself a minimalist? How do you practice that? Is it, has it benefited your life? Do you, you know, you, because you live location independent, I'm thinking you have to say no to a lot of things that people try to give you or whatever. So how does that sort of factor in? And is that something that's a daily practice for you?
2: Yeah. I mean, I I love to be a minimalist and I, I would consider myself one. Um, Now I've started to accumulate some things as I, you know, over COVID and I haven't been moving around as much, although I traveled quite a bit over during COVID over these last two years. I, I spent two months in Turkey, a month in Berlin, Nicaragua, wow. Costa Rica, Colombia. And so I did a, actually, and all over Europe. I did quite a few trips during COVID. But, uh, you know, I actually remember the exact moment and place that I decided to go location independent. And it's when I was on a trip and I was in Toledo, Spain, walking around, dragging my bag behind me. I'd been on the road for about two months. And I said, what else do I need? You know, then this bag and my, you know, little carry on bag with my gear in it and uh, yeah. you know, really not too much else. And so um, I, I said, you know, what? that's when I decided that, you know, it's all stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. so I don't own a car. I, you know, I just, it, it, there's so many other ways around it. And uh, I've always been about experiences over things.
0: Oh, gosh, mm-hmm. I love that. And so have you always loved to travel like your whole life or did that start at a certain point?
2: Yeah, and no, I've been pretty consistent traveler since about 15 when I studied in Spain for a summer, and then the next summer I was a volunteer in Peru for about six weeks. The next summer I was in Venezuela as a volunteer, and the next summer I studied in Mexico City uh, language mm-hmm. classes through my university. My parents, I was fortunate they took us to Florida and Mexico a lot where we have some roots. So I've always been a traveler, I've always enjoyed photography. Um always dreamed of figuring out a way to make a living from travel and photography, but you know, back when I was more serious about it than today, uh you know like in, I don't know uh, say the 80s or when I was, you know, trying to decide what I was going to do with my life.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It was like about as likely as my becoming a rock star you know, to, to be able to make a living from travel. But now we've got social media, the internet websites. There's so many ways to advertise network, get the information you need. I mean, in 1988, I did around the world trip by myself. Um, I just sold my first restaurant and at 24, I bought around the world ticket and I was gone for five months. But back then, you know, this is before smartphones before the internet, practically before the wheel. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, you know, I had to send away for actual brochures and things like that and wait for them to come back to me and plan the trip with maps and things like, you know, physical maps and stuff. So it's, uh, it's actually become a lot easier, you know, these days.
0: A friend and I backpacked through Europe one summer when I was in college and look, it wasn't, it wasn't that far off of what you're saying. I mean, I remember us going to the AAA like sure. company, the, the actual office and telling them what we were doing. And first of all, the lady was trying to, <laughs> the lady was trying to talk us out of it. I mean, I don't know, two college girls just <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't. And you think, wow, you're at AAA, You think you would really encourage this. But right. I remember having to do the same thing where we had, I remember having cell phones, and they had just like been the thing where you carry it with you, but they didn't—they weren't smartphones. You couldn't Google on them. You couldn't do any of that. So I do remember, you know, landing in, in Munich and getting off the plane and feeling like at first I was going to have a nervous breakdown just because, you know, you can't read anything. We didn't understand anything. And all we had were this, big pile of paper brochures that we're trying to fumble through. So right. I think that college kids today have it a lot easier if they decide that they're going to go and backpack across Europe
2: for, for sure. sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's so many <laughs> online communities to meet other people that are travelers and things like that. Um, yeah. Another app idea I had years ago, you know, it creates cause I'm, I travel a lot and either I'm with a group or I'm by myself. It seems yeah. So, you know, I often find myself sitting, you know, having a beer or a drink or a you know, meal or something. And uh, it's like, man, I, you know, there's got to be someone else around here that's, you know, single and, uh, you know, looking for, you know, some conversation. Doesn't have yeah. to be, uh, you know, a, a girl necessarily. Yeah. But, uh, you know, someone wants to go do something together. So, yeah. uh, but I never came up with it. And I think <laughs> people are starting to do it.
0: Yeah, that's a great idea. We're going to get to your fast five questions. And I'm really excited about these digital photos or analog photography.
2: Digital. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, digital photography, there's just no comparison. There's a lot of people that are purists that are going back to film and, and things like that. But I think I've just gotten spoiled um, with digital. It's so very easy and, you know, I can share right from my phone and I don't yeah. have to print stuff or pay for developing and stuff. So to me, digital is the way to go.
0: Yeah. And as a minimalist, you wouldn't have all that extra stuff to
2: Exactly. It's develop. tough carrying around a dark room. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plane or boat?
2: Ooh, that's a tough one because mm-hmm. I'm a sailor.
0: <laughs> oh.
2: Yeah, I love boats. Um, so I did a lot of big boat sailing in Chicago, San Diego. So oh, I,
0: wow. yeah, I
2: raced a lot of boats. I, so I, I love boating and I love getting on the water. Um, so I say, let's take a plane to a place that we can go boating.
0: There you go. Okay. <laughs> okay, got it. Coffee in a French cafe or wine in Tuscany?
2: Another tough one. Uh, I think wine in Tuscany. Okay. Love it.
0: Would you rather spend a night alone in a castle or in a tiny haunt that you know is a haunted house?
2: Or in a tiny haunted house. Uh huh. Or a night in a castle. Probably the night in the castle because if you already know the place is haunted, uh, (laughs) at least you have a chance that the castle's not.
0: I agree. (laughs) Right. (laughs) i agree ketchup or mustard
2: ketchup unless you're talking about a chicago hot dog and then absolutely not
0: (laughs) you cannot put ketchup on it
2: nope
0: right i think everyone has well everyone we have talked to about hot dogs has that same rule that you can't put ketchup on a hot dog
2: yeah, it's a so, funny Chicago thing that uh, we get a lot of grief about, but
0: uh, yeah. I, I think
2: it's true. And I've actually owned when I told I told you I, I sold my first restaurant. Yeah, um, that was a Chicago hot dog place, and so, it was. Uh, yeah, I grew up in the restaurant business. My parents yeah. had fast food, kind of like uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken type restaurants. Mm-hmm. But my grandfather and my grandmother, before them, had a, a literal hot dog cart that my grandfather built. And my dad always told a funny story that he built it, I don't know, in the shed or the garage or something. And he couldn't get it out. It was oh. too big to get out the door. So he had to take it apart and then put it back together outside. Oh no. <laughs> but that was an actual hot dog cart. But then yeah. also my grandmother had a little small restaurant that I just drove by yesterday actually, cause it's uh, in downtown Chicago. And uh, so that was cool to, to be there. But, um, yeah.
0: Wow. So does the restaurant that she had still exist? Just no, no, it's okay. not there. And I
2: it wasn't exactly sure where it would have been. I need to research Just the that.
0: area. So it's right? Changed.
2: It's changed. It's definitely <laughs> electrified.
0: <laughs> okay. And then the question we ask everyone is, what does a life well lived mean to you?
2: To me, um, kind of getting back to that experiences over things. I have always, uh, wanted to live my life so that if I were, if I, and I say, you know, if if I were to die tomorrow, get hit by a truck and die tomorrow, I never know anything, but God forbid I get paralyzed or, you know, I'm a paraplegic, I can't do anything or I lose my eyesight or something. I've done more things than most people will ever do. And I feel very fortunate and grateful for having those opportunities for making those opportunities for myself. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that is a life well lived when you can, you know figured you know no regrets and and i don't say that i don't have any regrets because people that say they have i have no regrets uh i don't quite believe it but uh right. yeah you know, i wish i would have bought apple at a dollar you know <laughs> 30 years ago who doesn't regret that you know <laughs> so uh i uh you know i think that if you could live your life so that you know that if anything were to happen to you tomorrow you've done everything you can or would like to do or you know are moving towards that because we can't always do everything we want to do right um, I think to me that's a, a great life
0: I agree there's a lot of people who are finally doing what they have dreamed about doing they're, they're, they're quote unquote working in their passion and so it sounds like you are and I just wonder about burnout. Do you ever feel like, oh my gosh, like I need a break from this and I'm burning out? Or are you just so passionate? You never even think about it being a quote unquote job.
2: Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, I definitely get burned out and I was getting burned out right before the pandemic hit. Mm. So, uh, I mean, being on the road nine months out of the year traveling seems a dream job. And it, it really is. But like anything else, there are negatives and downsides. And uh, so think about all the travel that you do or your audience does and, the, mm-hmm. you know, the airline problems and hotels and just getting from one place jet lag. All, all, the, all the issues that you have with travel and multiply that by like 10 or 12 trips a year that I do yeah. or more. And uh, that does add up. But I get 10 or 12 times the positive parts of the travel, too. Right. So, uh, you know, lately, of course, uh, it's been a little more difficult to travel with. We used to have to do testing and all that stuff and fill out forms for going to places. Um, But to me that, you know, that's no big deal compared to being able to get out there and travel, you know, safely. And so I would rather jump through those, you know, few extra hoops that we have to do now. And it's getting less and less, I think, I hope. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh but actually travel then to you know what's the alternative okay i'm gonna sit at home for two years and not do anything and some people have done that and that's fine if that's all you want to do but uh you know again if i die tomorrow i'm so glad that i went to all those places over covid that i just listed you know i mean to not have those experiences you know would
0: would be tough and like you say life is too short not to travel (laughs)
2: Life's too definitely, sure not to travel. Yeah, you definitely
0: <laughs> should travel. It opens your mind up to, you know, more people, more cultures. I just feel like it makes you more empathetic. It's just such a a wonderful, wonderful thing that I wish more people understood just how um, life opening it is. If you just get out of your little comfortable shell, your little comfortable base and just get out, it, it just does wonder. So yeah. I would love it if you could tell our audience where they can find you, how they can get linked up with the two different types of travel or both and or purchase your books.
2: Absolutely. Um, so uh, my main website is continentaldrifter.co.co. And you'll find all the links to all my social media there in the upper right hand corner. So I'd love people to follow me and uh, follow along mm-hmm. and uh, you can contact me. Um, my email address is ralph at photoenrichment.com, but there's all, you know, contact forms on each of my pages. Uh, the photoenrichment.com is where the photo enrichment adventures are. And please don't be uh, scared away that if you're not a photographer, as we talked earlier, that you yeah. can't, can't go on these trips or you wouldn't enjoy it. But I just had a woman on my uh, Costa Rica trip and she gave me a review and she said, You know, first I was reluctant to come along because I know that the other people on the trip were photographers because they recommended that she come on this trip. Um, But your trip was great. I loved it. We were in the right place at the right time. Um, It didn't matter whether or not I took pictures. You you guys didn't stay for three hours in one place to take a picture of a bird. And uh, so, you know, it's a really good variety. And with my trips, I, I really try to incorporate the food. Uh, so, as I mentioned, having been a third generation restaurateur and someone who uh, eats three meals a day, I uh, mm-hmm. love to incorporate food. And I think it's other than the people, food, the local food is probably, you know, the best cultural thing you can do. So let's go do a foodie tour with a local guide that can show us the market, how to buy things, what things are, how to prepare them, uh, yeah. maybe cooking demonstrations, uh you know, chef market walks and things like that. So I love it tastings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do a caviar tasting on my France trip because there's a caviar farm there. It's, it's absolutely amazing. So those are the kinds of things that I like to do. And I like to share with my people. And I, I do these, I do a scouting trip before every trip, you know, uh-huh. so I go to the place and I learn everything. I see two, three times what we're going to put on the trip. Mm-hmm. Then I whittle it down to what I think makes sense. And, uh, There's nothing I I love scouting, but there's nothing I love more than bringing a group back and seeing that place through their eyes Uh, and their experience. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now, I also want to make sure that I point out that you have um, a number of free downloads and resources on both of those sites and
2: three actually yep, because yeah, i have three okay. sites so i've got all continental all photoenrichment.com and don't be afraid of the photo part and then a experiences at a campagna.com and i i'm sure you'll put the links yes. in the show notes but yep. uh, yeah so there's a download free download at every one of those
0: Okay, yeah, we're definitely going to put all of the ways to get in touch with you, all the ways to find all of that, and um, and the YouTube the channel.
1: channel.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the YouTube channel, which is great. It's, Thank I mean, you. you've done a really good job of putting so many resources on there. So it's it's a really great experience just hanging out on there for a little bit.
2: Yeah, and if I could just clarify something too, as my trips are typically, uh, I get like 40s plus demographic and age, right. age group, so it's a, a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit older. Yeah. but, um, you know, I'm open to everyone, but uh, typically those are the kinds of people that come on my trip, and that's sort of my target audience of the YouTube channel is right. Gen X and Baby boomer travelers-huh uh, so you know i'm I am one of those people, so
0: yeah, <laughs> and,
2: and now my yeah, so I feel like i I kind of know what I'm doing there
0: yeah, <laughs> the well, that part. yeah, that's great to point out as well. Well, I cannot thank you enough for being here. You, you make me want to get on one of those trips and, and I can't, like I said, I can't wait for the book to get here, but this conversation and talking to a fellow traveler and minimalist is always exciting. And I, we really appreciate you being here.
2: Oh, my pleasure. This was a great conversation. I really enjoy it. Thanks for inviting me. And, uh, let's do a part two someday.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> from, from, from the Mediterranean, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again
2: pleasure. Really nice talking to you, Shannon. Thank you.
0: Well, Jer, you weren't here for the recording of the episode and so you just finished listening to it. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you think.
1: I thought it was, I thought it was wonderful. And what a unique little spin he brings to, to traveling, you Mm -hmm. know, immersing yourself in the culture and, and whatnot. I thought that was a, a really a little bit of a different approach than, than we have heard with other folks. Right. Throughout.
0: And I think a lot mm-hmm. of times, of course, we, a lot of the people that we interview who are all about traveling, of course, believe in travel just like we do and, and the benefits it has on your life. And, you know, Ralph saying life is too short not to travel. I mean, that that's exactly right. You that, know?
1: Yeah, that is. That is exactly right. And, and while I'm thinking about it, did you sense there was a, uh, it reminded me a bit of the Anthony Bourdain approach. I to... knew
0: you were going to say that.
1: Oh uh, yeah.
0: I felt like that too. Right. That, you know, Anthony Bourdain, if you didn't watch his episodes you you if you're listening to our podcast you probably did but if you if you haven't that that was sort of what he did was it was all about not only traveling but going to these places getting to know the people who live there eat the food they eat mm-hmm. you know live yeah. live very similar to, to similarly to the way that they live just really immersing himself. Yeah. Well, it was it. much
1: more than the travel and the food. It was just, it was a lot about the culture, just like, yes. Ralph is, is telling us.
0: And, and what do we, what do we always say? You know, travel opens your mind up to, to new things, new cultures, being more empathetic, all of that. And that's exactly what Ralph is bringing to his travel groups.
1: Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah, no doubt. He would definitely want to go on one of his trips.
0: Yeah. We're going to yeah. go ahead and start looking at them right now.
1: Sooner than later. Yes. Yes.
0: Well, if this episode resonated with you, or if you know of someone who would benefit from all of the information that Ralph was sharing, please share it with a friend.
1: Yeah, we would we would love that if you did. And sharing is caring friends.
0: As always, you can find us at ArnerAdventures.com on Instagram at ArnerAdventures, also linked in the show notes.
1: So until next time, enjoy the journey that you're on. We're wishing you lots of adventures. Bye. Bye.